Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whenever it is you're tuning in. Welcome to Ticket Price, the only show where we ask the question that matters. Are these movies worth your money? No ifs, ands, or buts. No cult classic this or garbage that. No. Is it worth your money? I am your co-host, Jake. With me as always, co-host extraordinaire and the only man who has seen The Exorcist about 157 times, and it keeps getting funnier every time he sees it. Tevis at Master Control. Tevis, how are you, sir? Well, apparently I'm Beetlejuice, but... (laughs) (laughs) I wondering if you would get that. I'm doing fantastic. How are you today? I'm doing good. I enjoyed that. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that one as an intro. (laughs) That was fun. I like that one. (laughs) All right. Episode 23. Obviously for the very American holiday, Groundhog's Day, we are looking at Groundhog Day. Kind of hit it on the head, didn't we? Yeah, we we really rubbed our two brain cells together on this one. Now, I want to, because it's going to bother me, I want to bring, before we get into everything, Okay. I want I need to bring this up because it bothers me. Is it Groundhog's Day? As in Groundhog apostrophe S day, like, you know, ownership, it's his day because it's the Groundhog's day. Or is it Groundhog Day? Because the movie is Groundhog Day, and I hate that. I've never, until this movie, I've never heard Groundhog Day singular. And I hate no. it. Or, you know, not not plural, but you get not without the without the apostrophe S. Okay. Is is it not Groundhog's Day? Groundhog's Day. You say it with an S. It's not. You don't say Groundhog Day. Hey, everyone, it's Groundhog Day. That's I, weird. Honestly, I've never paid any attention one way or the other. It's Groundhog's Day. There's an apostrophe S. I thought this movie was Groundhog's Day, apostrophe S. And then I get, I'm like, Groundhog Day? What the hell is Groundhog Day? What kind of illiterate doofus? It's not Groundhog. It's Groundhog's Day. Hmm. Yeah, no, I never... Paid attention. This bothers me. It bothers me greatly. Way more than it should. No, I think I'm appropriately bothered. (laughs) You know what? Like everyone's, you know, the the starting point to the world's favorite action game series, Dark Souls, which I think is wildly overrated. Come at me, nerds. Uh, you know, it all started with demons as souls, right? It's the demons as souls. And I'm like, what is, why? Just demons. No, it's demons is his souls. Right? That's the start. <laughs> demons is his souls. Groundhog Day. I'm like, why? Why are you doing it wrong? I don't understand. So what movie are we uh, looking at today? Apparently Groundhog Day. Hmm. And I hate that. Rita, I'm reliving the same day over and over. Groundhog Day. Today. I'm going to have to look into that. You do. I (laughs) I hope you do. I'll look into that and I'll get back to you. Hours of research. We'll do an episode about (laughs) about your findings. All right. Are you ready? Uh, Let's do this. The 1993 holiday classic. (laughs) You know, what what other movie is about Groundhog Day? It's Groundhog's Day. Yeah, I don't know about another Groundhog Day movie. It bothers me. I'm not going to get through this episode. <laughs> I'm going to have some kind of burst vessel stroke out. 
written by Danny Rubin and Harold Ramis, directed by Harold Ramis, starring Bill Murray and uh, Andy McDowell and Scooter. Scooter? Scooter. Scooter the Groundhog. Oh, my God. He's in the credits. <laughs> Is he really? Yeah. Oh, Where do you think I pulled the name Scooter from? I was wondering. I thought maybe that was like Chris Elliott's nickname or something. No, it's Scooter. Okay. Scooter the Groundhog. Now, IMDb. Ooh. IMDb gives it 8 out of 10. Okay. And Rotten Tomatoes, a 94%. This is way up there in some of our all-time highest rated movies, bar none. I feel like that's too big of a gap. Should IMDb go up or should Rotten Tomatoes come down? IMDb needs to go up. Or a little of both. No, I think IMDb should should be a get nine. shit together and go up. So it should be nine out of ten. Or 8.1. I don't do decimals. <laughs> Groundhog Day. Groundhog should Day. Should be 8.2. Well, it should honestly, but yeah. all their scores should go down because the name is terrible. And it's, and it's just blatantly incorrect. All right. This film was made with a budget of 14.6 million estimates. That seems surprisingly high to me, given what this movie is. Bill Murray's salary. I I thought that, too. Yeah. I was like, most of this was probably Bill. Yeah. But this... Okay. I don't know if this is a hot take or not. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Is this Bill Murray's best movie? Is this his best role slash performance? Honestly, I can't answer that because I have not seen a whole lot of his more serious roles that he's done, like Lost in Translation, uh, Rushmore. I, I haven't seen a whole lot of Garfield. Of any, I did watch Garfield. You, wait, you saw that Garfield? A, no, I didn't watch Garfield. Oh, okay. Um, no, I refuse to watch that. I have yet to meet an actual real life living soul who has seen Garfield. I saw the trailer and uh, that was enough. That's pretty much where that's that's like, where we all sit. No, no, thank you. But I really do want to kick back and watch some of his more serious stuff. I just I don't know why it just hasn't been a priority to me. Well, add him to the hat. Sounds good. Uh, but no, I just and then we can answer that question and then we'll dive into it when we do our Bill Murray retrospective. So fourteen point six mil, uh, million estimate to make worldwide gross seventy one point one million. It's a pretty good haul. It's a pretty good return on investment given on a very American, very niche holiday based film. How do you describe Groundhog's Day to people who don't know what Groundhog's Day is? It's such an odd phenomenon. <laughs> the movie or the holiday? The holiday. Oh, I have no idea. Like, like I, we, we have a rodent give us the weather. Uh, well, to be fair, they're, they're just as accurate as our actual meteorologists on TV and, and radio. That's so. true. That is true. Uh, no, I just, I could not tell you how this started. And I don't know why uh, Punxsutawney is the mecca of it. And I don't know why it has swept the nation and just become a thing. I don't get it. But it's 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 a thing. Groundhog's Day. Groundhogs this day. I think, I think it's something that people grasped onto so hard because they're so tired of winter. 
that any hope of spring that he will just <laughs> latch onto it and be like, yes, yes. The groundhog. Yes. The groundhog said it would happen. All right. Seven award wins and 17 nominations. Groundhog Day. Reviews. Damn it, Ebert. It's your man, Ebert. Ebs. I, I know. I know. I've been waiting for this. It unfolds so inevitably, is so entertaining, so apparently effortless, that you have to stand back and slap yourself. Four stars. What? Yep. Holy cow. Ebert loved this movie. And he went on to say, he's like, this might be Bill Murray's best performance. And, you know, because Bill Murray's one of those guys more often than not kind of just plays himself or plays the same character. Oh, I agree. Um, but it's done so well and it's so well written for that style that this might be, this might be his best Washington post brilliantly imaginative and wildly funny. Wow. So everybody liked it. Oh yeah. Everyone liked groundhog day. What is your history with Groundhog Day? I don't remember when I watched this. I know it wasn't in the theater. I know it wasn't, you know, right when it came out. I just, I know when I, I when I did watch it, I fell in love with it. I thought it was great. And it's kind of been one of my go-tos every couple of years. I'll watch it. Nothing real exciting. It's just... That's the way it is. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have seen this in the theater. I think it would have been a cool experience. Really? You think this was a full theater experience movie? Just with the crowd. I enjoy. Oh, okay. I enjoy the crowd uh, watching a movie, especially comedies with a crowd. Yeah. You know, the laughter is contagious. That's true. No. Uh, yeah. I, I get that. Cause at first you're like, I wish I had seen this in theaters. I'm like, this because you know when you think of like those big theater movies and you think of like jurassic park or jaws or star wars or you know it's something more twister twist yeah twister twister oh yeah i saw actually you know what i get that yeah with the tornado yeah i bet that would have been cool that was amazing yeah but yeah you get what i i I hate avatar it's probably better in the theater right there are some movies based on what they're about and how they're shot and effects and whatever that really take advantage of the theater screen and it just would be better, you know, if you could see it like that. So when you were like, I wish I had seen this in theaters, I was like, this? Yeah. I don't- <laughs> this would have taken advantage of the crowd really well. So in theory, though, we could still make this this wish of yours come true. We just need to get a decent sized group of friends and family together and watch Groundhog Day. And just enjoy the time and atmosphere and drop popcorn everywhere. <laughs> This isn't Godzilla minus one. <laughs> I was so angry when I was trying to take a note and half of my popcorn hit the floor. I was so, I'm still so angry about it. So are you more upset about the popcorn or that this movie is called Groundhog Day? Mm. Well, I'm more upset about the popcorn. I'm more irritated because those are different feelings. That's true. I'm multifaceted, bitch. (laughs) 
There's a sound clip for you. Um, all right. My history with this movie. I don't really have history with this movie. And it wasn't until watching it for the show that it dawned on me. I have never actually sat down and watched this movie before. Really? I've seen bits and pieces. I've seen clips. If you had asked me prior to, I would have been like, yeah, I've seen Groundhog Day, like Groundhog Day. Um, Because I thought in my mind, I was like, yeah, I've, I've seen it. But actually watching, I went, oh, no, I've seen bits and pieces at different times in my life, but I've never actually just sat down and seen it start to finish. So this was for its entirety. This was a first for me. Okay. I'm anxious to hear your uh, final thoughts. I am too. We'll see how that goes. And technically, because you told me you watched this on YouTube clips at a time. So technically, okay, Okay. wait a minute. Still only seen this in clips. You're not wrong. But I didn't want to pay to rent it or, or buy it. I just wanted to watch it. It was on Netflix. Then as I sat down to watch it, it had been, it had like, I had missed it by like a couple days or a day or something. I had just missed it. They had just took it off Netflix. And I'm like, oh, rat bastards. I'm not going to pay for it. I've already got it in my head that I'm going to watch it for free. So I'm not condoning this. I wouldn't steal a car. I wouldn't steal a woman's purse. Those of you who get that reference, get that reference. I'm not going to explain it. Uh, but it is possible if you search it in a widely used video app that you will find a channel that has a 28 video set (laughs) that may or may not show from start to finish the entire film in four to six minute clips. (laughs) is without doubt the worst pirate I have ever seen. I, too, watched this on Netflix. I started watching it on Netflix. And then I got busy and I had to stop it. I went to come back to finish it. It was gone. (laughs) I'm like, what the hell? Wait, we experienced the exact same thing, but yours is way worse than mine. I'm like, what the hell? Who who at Netflix? Just I just want to say one thing to the the people at Netflix who make the decisions. Would you would you take away a Santa Claus movie at the beginning of November? Why in the hell did you take away Groundhog Day before Groundhog Day? Well, you still got a couple of months, I know, but damn. <laughs> Also, like, why? I don't know. I I really don't know if I understand this whole switching shit in and out. Like, is the it's kind of like you know with your kids' toys. You know, well, you you switch their toys in and out so they don't get bored with all of them. You know, when they start, you know, you give them like a week to play with this set and then you switch them out and then it's like they have all these new toys to play with and they're reinterested in them, right? Yeah, I don't I don't think the same theory applies to just a a data bank of shit that I can watch that I you know, I'm not looking at Groundhog Day every day and I'm like I'm bored of this. Netflix should replace it. 
you know, I didn't even know it was there until I was like, until I needed to watch it. And I was like, oh shit, it's right there. Easy. And then I went to watch it and it was gone. And I'm like, why is it gone? It knew, it knew you needed to watch it. It's not like, it's not like there's, it's not like Steve at Netflix is just surrounded by cases of DVDs. And they're like, they're like, Steve, we got a new batch of movies for you. And he's like, I don't have room in my closet for any more. I sit in a closet surrounded by DVD cases. I've got a monitor and I've got a player and I can only do so much at a time. You're going to have to take some of these out so the new ones can come in and, you know, they have to manually switch actual physical media. That's not what's happening. Well, every time you hit play on a movie, Steve at Netflix has to find the movie, (laughs) put it in the player and hit play so that you can stream it. And that's why it takes so long to load because Steve at Netflix is trying to find it in this massive database. <laughs> He's rifling through DVD cases like a record collection. Yeah. Just no, no, no. And Here then, it is. And then he pulls it out and he opens it up and Groundhog Day is not in there. It's <laughs> Lethal Weapon. And he's looking for the Lethal Weapon case. Because <laughs> these, these goddamn temps and interns come in. They don't, they don't put shit back where it belongs. They don't respect his organizational system. And they just screw it up. <laughs> and so then you get it where it's like it's at 99% but it won't finish loading because Steve is like okay where's Lethal Weapon there it is while you were sleeping no and he's got to look for a new one and it just turns into a whole thing shout out to Steve at Netflix I feel your pain brother <laughs> you doing okay over there chief oh uh, I can relate I can relate so hard. Wait, do you not? Do you put the wrong movies in the wrong cases? No. Are you an animal? No, I am the opposite. I'm like, no, it goes in here. It this is the case. It goes in this it goes case. In, well, how do you find it if you don't? <laughs> well, I have a ten year old, and there's times when she puts them in the wrong case. I don't condone domestic violence, but have you tried beating her? <laughs> It's funny. I don't have a whole lot of rules, but that's like my top. (laughs) You're like, our house has three rules, three rules. One of them is you put the right thing in the right case. She's over sitting on the couch smoking cigarettes. I'm like, I don't care. What are you doing? That is not the X-Men case. The X-Men case is over here. That is Indiana Jones. (laughs) Wait, I, your house has three rules. One is you put the right thing in the right case. One is use a coaster. What's the third one? <laughs> don't get too close to the TV because I don't want you knocking it over by accident. <laughs> okay, so all you have to do to not get kicked out of Temis's home, don't sit too close to the TV. Put your drink on a coaster. <laughs> And put your deep, put your movie, your video game back in the correct case. Exactly. Woo. Easy, Hitler. <laughs> and if you're going to smoke, use an ashtray. Jesus. Use an ashtray and then I'll turn on Bluey. <laughs> Man, how good is Bluey? Bluey is awesome. I love What are Bluey. we talking about? Groundhog. Groundhog Day. So the film opens. We're there, right? Yeah. All right. I mean, we there. We were about twenty minutes ago, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know how we got here. Damn it, Netflix! <laughs> that damn Steve. Damn it, Steve. No, Steve works really hard. He does. 
paid minimum wage. <laughs> I could just, ooh, I got to get past it. <laughs> now we got to be very zen. And the film opens, we see Bill Murray. And, he, and you know, I like how it's just him in front of the blue screen. We can't see what's on. And he's just making all the hand gestures. And then at first, I was like, what the hell is he doing? Oh, he's a weatherman. I forgot that. And then we see actually what he's doing. And I'm I'm sitting here watching it going, why aren't, like, the weather people more animated? Why don't they have fun with their job and Some the blue screen? Some of them screen? do, I think. Okay. I've seen clips on, on YouTube of them, like dressing weird or whatever just you know having a whole lot of fun but all the ones that i've ever seen like live yeah they're just like we have this blue thing coming up from the north and it'll bring us some cold air i'm like oh god right come on have fun right give it just uh whatever <laughs> maybe we should start doing weather forecasts no I just don't wanna, to, I don't want to be on video. <laughs> Nobody wants us on video. Yeah. Radios exist, though. Yeah. Maybe we should go up to the local radio station and be like, you want us. <laughs> you want a morning show? We're there. We'll talk about stupid things and stupid stuff. So talk us through um, talk us through this, if, if you don't mind. You take the lead on this one. So... <sighs> Bill Murray in this movie plays one of my favorite types of Bill Murray, the asshole. And that's that's kind of like, is this Bill Murray's best role? Like when he can just lean into how he naturally kind of portrays his characters, it's the best. Yeah, he's super self-absorbed. Nobody around him is is worth a shit. He's the best person <laughs> in the room. So he he's been chosen four years in a row, four Nan, four, to cover. What's his name? Phil. Phil. What was Scooter? Scooter was the the Phil actor. played by Scooter. Yes, but so Scooter, who did a great job as Phil. You know who also did a great job as Phil? Bill Murray. Bill Murray. That's crazy. Because they're both Phil. I wonder if there's a reason for that. Harold Ramis, you magnificent son of a bitch. <laughs> I like that. I like that they both are named Phil. But anyway, so he's been chosen four years in a row to go up to Punxsutawney and cover the Groundhog Day Festival. Now, it's in my notes here. Uh, we were asking, like, why is this a thing? Groundhog Day, mm -hmm. the festival and the holiday and all that. Not the movie, you know, the actual thing. And uh, you know what? Wouldn't you know it? Bill Murray in this movie gives us an answer. Uh, let me read my quote here. People are morons. <laughs> <laughs> they like blood sausage. <laughs> so he meets Andy McDowell. I cannot remember her name. Ooh, Rita, Rita. 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 She does not look like a Rita, so it doesn't help me that her name is Rita, because I'll never remember that. Rita seems almost like an old, older woman's name. Yes. Yeah. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that. One of my neighbors is uh, a pensioner. I think that's a polite way to put it. Oh, okay. She she is, uh, you know, old, retired, is part of the country club crowd, you know, 
drives the expensive Lexus and always has like a suit, you know, a lady's suit and skirt on typically. And her name is Rita. (laughs) And she looks like a Rita. So our Rita is the new producer at the, the TV station. Yes. And Phil thinks that he is not going to be there much longer because he's got better opportunities. He's got a major network looking at him. Oh, it's the home shopping network. <laughs> what Chris Elliott says. Is that Chris Elliott? I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? The driver. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember if that's, I'm pretty sure that's. Oh, his what's his name? Um, Chris Elliott. No, the character name. Larry. Larry. Yeah. And the only reason I remember that is when Rita, they drop Rita off at her hotel and she's like, hey, Phil, me and Larry are going to go, you know, grab a bite to eat. Would you like to come? And he's like, no, no, thank you. I've seen Larry eat. (laughs) (laughs) It like shoves his whole fist in his mouth. And I'm like, damn, what an asshole. Phil's cold blooded. Phil is. Phil doesn't give a shit. I love Phil. So they go to Punxsutawney. I don't want to do scene by scene. Right. Sure. Which is what we always say, and then we just end up doing know, scene by scene anyway. Doing it anyway. Why do we even lie to ourselves and the people anymore? <laughs> Why are we lying? I'm hoping we say it enough. You build it, they will come. Oh. You say it, it will happen. That positive mindset. Yes. That I like that. I read this the book called The Secret. I, no, I don't believe you read it. I have. I have read that. It was a long time ago, but I read it. What is the secret? I can't tell you. It's a secret. You got to read the book. What a load of horseshit. <laughs> That's how they sell more books. Absolute garbage. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they go to Punxsutawney and Phil refuses to stay at that hotel because it's a flea bag. He stayed there two years ago, had a worse time. And Breed is like, no, you're not going to stay here. We booked you at a nice little bed and breakfast. He's like, oh, you're going to be a great producer. Keep the talent happy. Did he just refer to himself as the talent? <laughs> and that just goes back to the whole Bill Murray self-absorbed, the most important person in the room mentality that this guy has. It's And it comes so naturally with, and to Bill. And it's like, it's like man. I don't know, Bill. I never will. He'll never hear about this episode or this show because he's Bill Murray. He's important, right? He seems like the kind of person that the don't meet your heroes. Oh, absolutely. Like that that saying exists, and I feel like he would be one of those. Like It, exi- it exists because of him? Possibly. Yeah. yeah. Unlike Mel. I agree. Oh, no, I think Mel would probably be up there, too, maybe. No. I'm crushing your dreams. Not my Mel. Not my Mel. Okay, so the next morning, the music hits. Sonny and Cher. We're Mm going to hear a lot of that. Yeah. It never really got old to me, though. Well, because usually enough happens in between. Yeah, maybe. But there's times in some movies where they they hit the same kind of notes a Mm -hmm. few times. I'm like, okay, enough, enough. Enough's enough. Let's get going. Maybe you're discovering a deep-seated love for Sonny and Cher. Maybe it was always there. I don't know. That's why, that's, yeah, that's why it's deep-seated. 
And I said, you're discovering a deep sea. Yeah, that's that's how that works. I don't know. It's, Maybe. <laughs> I don't. Now I feel like you don't know what I'm saying. No, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should turn left. I think a left-hand turn is the right answer. What? It's the same thing. What are you talking about? Unless you're Professor Loomis and you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't look, we don't, we don't look left. We don't look left in no. this house. No, that's rule number four. <laughs> <laughs> no looking left. You have to spin. Uh, so on his way to the festival, Phil gets ready, gets, goes downstairs, gets coffee. He's on his way to the festival, and he runs into Ned Ryerson. Bing! I'm not going to lie. Every time he said bing, I kept thinking of Sarah in one of our episodes where she would go zing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Wait, is Sarah the Ned Ryerson of our show? So, yeah, Ned the head. He's an insurance salesman now. Well, and if you... If, if you um subscribe to certain fan theories he might also be the devil literally actual satan there's a lot of fan theories about this movie i could see that this movie yeah this movie would be there's prime material for that yeah like with all kinds of religious tones and from all the religions like i guess buddhist to Yeah, because there was an interview I, I saw with Harold Ramis, and he was talking about how he would get calls from different religious groups, and they're like, oh, my God, and they're praising the movie, saying, oh, I can't believe you hit this. You know, this is exactly what we do as far as in, in this religion and that religion and yoga. <laughs> uh, what was it? The psychiatric community. Yeah. That was another one that he mentioned. And it was just, it's like the calls just kept coming. And I'm like, okay, I can I can see from every aspect. Yeah. Anyway, he run, he runs into Ned the Head. This won't be the last time we see this gentleman. Well, this won't be the last time we see any of this. <laughs> That's true. Then he gets to the uh, the festival, runs mm-hmm. into Rita and Larry, does his little uh, little spiel. He he doesn't really seem into it too much, but he's still really professional. He does come off r- good. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's very prof- like you said professional. He's not selling it so to speak, but there's nothing wrong with the with the performance he gives. Phil gives. No, and I I noticed watching that one versus the one he does the next day where he's like super confused and like why is this happening again? And they're to- totally different, mm-hmm. but for different reasons. But the first one still came off as newsworthy i guess it would it would be featured on the news and be be a good um report yeah and did you catch when bill murray was given the countdown and he uses his his middle finger as one three two one and he flips larry off i'd never caught that before i just caught it this last step uh, watch watch yeah so Phil's already decided he's not staying. He wants to get through this broadcast, get through the, the festival. They're not going to stay the night for the rest of the festivities. So he decides that they're going to brave the storm. Yeah. Yeah. But there's no storm coming because he makes the weather. 
Except for the storm that definitely does come. Yes. And he's even arguing with that state patrolman. No, I make the weather. I love when he's on the phone with the phone service or whatever, saying how the, all the phone lines down, how oh, the yeah. long distance phone lines down. Do you have satellites? What about a satellite phone? Is there bad weather in space? <laughs> Is it snowing in space? <laughs> Is it snowing in space? Don't you have a, an emergency line for celebrities or um i can't remember what else he says well isn't it, don't you have a special line for emergencies yeah. and celebrities exactly because this is both i'm a celebrity having an emergency yeah. <laughs> and then he gets hit in the back of the head with that shovel yep so can i point out an observation yeah at this point remember how you said you weren't gonna go see bc yeah i know <laughs> okay <laughs> bing <laughs> I said it, 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 it didn't, it didn't come. The point is, Flick, you lied to us. And, uh, test results show, uh, that was a lie. Thank, thank you, you th- Maury. Th- thank you, Maury Bolvich. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he wakes up the next morning, same music, same radio broadcast. He thinks for a second that it might just be the, the wrong tape got put in. And then he realizes as he's walking out. All the same people are talking to him in all the exact same ways. He goes down to talk to the lady of the bed and breakfast. Mm-hmm. And he says, do you ever have deja vu, Miss, Mrs. Lancaster? Oh, I'm not sure, but I can ask the cook. <laughs> I shouldn't have laughed as hard at that as I did. But I, I, I gave that a good little chuckle. That line got me. Yeah. I, I laughed at that. That's just that. That is fun wordplay. It's not a pun. They're just having fun with language. And there's a clear distinction there. I hate puns. Puns are the worst. But clever word usage and having fun with it like that is enjoyable for all. If you make a pun, I swear to God. <laughs> I won't. I won't. Um, so, yeah, he goes down back to the festival again for the second interview that I he has swear to, to give. God. <laughs> so you can tell in his second broadcast that he does, he's very stressed out. He's very nervous. Um, and kind of confused and and unsure of himself. Yeah. So he decides to go see a doctor. Surprise, Harold Ramis. Surprise, Harold Ramis. What's your thoughts on directors who are in the movie? I'm fine with it. Okay. Especially if the directors are also actors like Quentin Tarantino usually crops up in his own stuff. I'm fine with it. I'm not saying he was a good actor. I'm just saying I'm fine with it. And it's not like Harold Ramis' part was big or took up a bunch of time. You know, he's just, yeah, there he is. Okay. Okay. Why? What? You clearly have thoughts on No, this. I just, I don't have really an issue with it. It's very Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess I would have a problem with it if the actor wasn't very good, like Quentin Tarantino, uh, <laughs> who is clearly, he's had one good role and we, we've talked about that role. We won't talk about it this time. We're not going to quote it. No, 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 no. But it's kind of like, or like the Stan Lee cameos. Like it was fun. It's fun. It would be for Stan Lee. It would be less fun now and more creepy. Um, But you know, the older ones, it's fun. So yeah, when Harold Ramis, I went, oh, it's Harold Ramis. Like I, I didn't know I surprised Harold Ramis. I didn't know he would show up. So when he did, I was like, oh, it's, you know, I smiled. It was enjoyable. 
He did the the really bad eyesight doctor bit, which, you know, that's classic. It's whatever. Oh, we're getting really close to yeah. the the x-rays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, this movie is really hard to do scene by scene because it takes place every scene over and over and over and over and over again. Right. So Bill Murray ends up, or uh, Phil ends up going to uh, the bowling alley where he meets his two buddies. And uh, has an existential crisis that then causes them to, the two guys, the two townies, to also have an existential yeah. crisis. Yeah, he's, he keeps talking to them about being in a rut and being in the same day over and over again. And then those guys are like, yeah, you know, I feel what you, I see what you mean and understand what you mean. I feel the same way. And I feel like that's their way of talking to us, the audience. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm going to rut all the goddamn time. Yeah. Wake up, go to work, come home, wake up, go to work, come home. He gets he gets in the car, truck, whatever, start driving. He's speeding. Police chase. He doesn't stop, obviously. And, uh, because he's kind of figured out, like, there's some weird loop. Something's got to break it, maybe. And yeah, he get, I feel like he's testing it. Definitely. Yeah, and he gets on the train tracks. And they're like, don't drive on the train tracks. So he starts driving on the train tracks. Cops are chasing him. And the cop, the cop car is now driving on the train tracks. A train inevitably ends up coming their way. And now they're going head on with a train. He's like, oh, we're playing chicken. My money, he'll swerve first. That line made me laugh. But then he does cut the wheel at the last second, and we see it get off the track, and everything's fine. We did not see the cop car get off the tracks. We didn't see it get annihilated either. So did my question is, did the police get off the train tracks before Bill Murray and, and the guys did? Or... Did Bill Murray just aid in those cops getting obliterated by a train? Did Phil get those cops killed by a train? So did Phil basically kind of commit murder? Yeah. I want to say no, just for me to enjoy this movie. Well, and and surely the cops who are behind the truck would have gone, there's a train. Just get off the track real quick. <laughs> like, there's no reason there should have been anyone on the tracks at the time the train passed, right? Like, there's no reason they would still be on the tracks when it happened. But I was one. I was like, did those cops just eat it? <laughs> I don't. That's a good point. I don't know. But I feel like if they did eat it, then when Phil wrecked the car, they would have been a whole lot more harsh with him. That could be. Because... They just kind of come up to the window and he's like, yeah, can I get a large cheeseburger, you know, large fry cheeseburger? Do you have Dr. Pepper? And flapjacks. Get flapjacks. Get flapjacks. (laughs) And some flapjacks. So, yeah, he ends up in in jail. Right. And then the next morning we get the same thing. The Sonny and Cher song. And he wakes up and then he goes downstairs and is like, hey. Was there anybody looking for me this morning with, you know, nice stiff hat, maybe a gun (laughs) badge? And she's like, oh, no, no. Then he realizes he's like, hey, I'm going to take advantage of this shit. I can do whatever I want. And then he meets Nancy. She's the uh, attractive lady that makes little chipmunk noises when she gets really excited. 
So yeah, he starts taking advantage of the situation that he knows as going to happen. As we all would. As we all would. The, with the robbery of the the armored car mm-hmm. the with Nancy. And I'm assuming he did it again with another young woman because the, the one he took to the movie theater. Now, let's be real. I'm sure at a certain point, he he takes advantage of everyone. <laughs> oh, yeah. His character definitely would. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at a certain point, you're just like, oh, what else I got to do? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's uh, he's bored. Yeah. He would be bored after a while. I did like um, he was testing, like he's getting ready for bed. He's testing, like he's like, what is happening when I sleep? And like everything resets. And so he breaks that pencil and he sets half of the pencil on his alarm clock and half on the nightstand. And then when he wakes up, the pencil is gone and it's still, it's back on the desk, you know, as yeah. a full pen. And I, I like that because I was like, oh, the pencil, this pencil test is actually really clever. I just like the whole idea behind it. And it's also showing definitively it is a loop. Yeah, my my daughter asked me a question about the whole loop thing. Um, she's like, so well, what would happen if it goes into the next day? Wouldn't he get in trouble for all those things he did throughout the, all those days? Like with the car chase and stealing the, the ho- groundhog. Yeah. And wrecking the car and blah, blah, blah. I said, well, no, because those days have already happened and they're gone. So it would have from when he reset from that morning on Mm -hmm. whatever he did that day would matter. Yeah. If it continued. So it kind of made me think about like because he gets to the point where he's like, I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to commit suicide. Multiple times. Multiple times. He steps in front of many, the truck. Many times. The the toaster. The fact yeah. that the toaster still has bread in it, too, is the best part. He pushes them down and the bread's <laughs> in there. And I was like, oh, man, that's that's dark. Hilarious, but dark. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he's at the point where he's like, I just don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. And that got me thinking, too, like. When there's a point, I think it was right after he stole the the hedgehog or the groundhog mm-hmm. hedgehog, and so the truck goes off the edge, blows up, and then you see his body laying on the slab, and Rita and Larry are looking over it, and I remember seeing it for the first time, thinking, "Well, shit," or did it continue? Yeah, he says he killed the groundhog. I'm like, "Oh crap, this guy's <laughs> dead." <laughs> I like that little play right there yeah technically the day the day will finish right and that's that's how the day finishes but for but for phil he essentially died so he just goes to sleep and just wakes back up in his bed yeah i wonder if it does it actually switch over at six or We we don't for sure we don't know no we don't know we just know that's when the alarm goes off yeah, because I know him and Rita stayed up all night once. Well, as long as before they fell asleep. Right. Well, she fell asleep. It was, what, three o'clock in the morning? Right. And then that's kind of, I guess, when he called it a night as well or gave up. Yeah. Or just his brain was like, nope, sorry, I can't hold out anymore. Yeah. Do some jumping jacks, you bitch. Because, <laughs> well, he does. He tries that same trick that he did on Nancy. He kind of tries it with Rita. 
many times, many times, over and over and over again. And it gets to the point where it kind of works, but she catches on. And then I like how the following times that he tries it, you can see he's really desperate. He's trying way too hard. Like he's overly ha- trying to have a good time and laughing really hard at everything. Do you love kids? I love kids. I want to have a bunch of kids. Adopt and, oh my God. <laughs> oh, look, that kid just threw a snowball at us. Hey, are you, a, are you, can I adopt you? Do you have parents? I love you. You silly kids. Yeah, he's very desperate, very desperate to latch on to, to get Rita to latch on to him. I, I didn't actually take it that way. Really? I just took it as almost like a, a break from exhaustion from just like we we don't actually know how many days in a row he tried to ma- map out and relive that same moment to say everything just right to take her to all the right places to say all the right things to sleep with her i just took it as like man he's tried this so many times he just finally snapped right that's how i took it was it wasn't so much a desperation for it to work it was just a mental snap from exhaustion from having done this over and over and over again well i could see that because he was so close to what he wanted that previous time and then the next you know she catches on and then the next day it's like oh god everything just falls apart and mm-hmm. then the next time it's worse he gets slapped yeah and it seems like he gets slapped sooner in the date as it continues on mm-hmm yeah, the fatigue of trying over and over, you know, setting in. <laughs> I had, I wrote down, Rita studied 19th century French poetry when they're at dinner. And he's talking to her and he's like, oh, you know, what would you, this isn't what you wanted to do when you were in college. And she's like, no, you know, I studied 19th century French poetry. And he laughs in her face. <laughs> then, Doesn't he go, that's a waste. <laughs> oh, what a waste of time. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I mean, you know, for somebody else, that would be a huge waste of time. But you must you must be a really strong person, you know. And just and the look on his face, too, the way he said it. Oh, my God. that I laughed out loud at that, too. Yeah, because he's like, there it is. He knew. He just, he's like, now I got to do this all over again. <laughs> he could not hold back his, his assholiness. Well, that's holiness. That's holiness. Yeah. It's just weird because holiness is definitely a word. <laughs> just not, not in the way we're currently using it. That's yeah. holiness. Yeah. yeah. So he does reach a point where he, hey, this situation might not be a bad thing. Goes crazy, has fun, does whatever he wants. Then we start seeing him maybe trying to do certain things that will end it, killing the groundhog, killing himself, maybe trying to do what he thinks will be the right thing. And he starts like helping people and he starts trying to like mend his ways, so to speak, but it's still not working. But, you know, we see him now He's at the point where he's like, maybe I just gotta be a better person. I don't know. And so, but then we see him get past that point because before he was doing helpful, kind acts, but it wasn't to be helpful or kind, right? He was putting on an act. He wasn't actually being kind or, or good-hearted or whatever. I think it was just something he was doing because he was bored. Probably a combination of bored and, I. In my, again, how I took it watching it was maybe this is what I need to do, right? 
to to break this cycle. But it's but it's kind of cheat the system. Kinda. Yeah, maybe maybe I have to do good, or there's something I'm supposed to be doing, or someone I'm supposed to help. Like when he catches that kid from the tree, and you could just as soon as he, what do you say? What do you say? What do you say? What do you say? Not one time. Not one time. You are gonna say thank you one of these times. I th- I'll I, see you tomorrow. <laughs> I thought that I laughed really hard at that too. I'm not gonna lie. What do you say? What do you say? <laughs> I. One other part that I laughed pretty hard at was when he goes up to the woman's house for piano lessons. And she's like, well, if you come back tomorrow, I'm, I'm well, with somebody right now. Well, actually, I was um, really interested in getting started today. Um, I'll give you a thousand dollars. She's like, oh, yeah, come on in. Come on in. It and shuts then, the door. And then we just see that girl get thrown out. <laughs> Because you can kind of hear her in the background playing piano yeah. a little bit, and then it just blong stops. <laughs> you see her get pushed out the door. Yeah. Her, her sheet music's <laughs> all like cluttered in her hands and stuff. Her binders all unkept and un, yeah. you know open. My wife just watches. She just goes, "Oh, that poor little girl." <laughs> yeah, I like that part. But I but okay, the piano lessons they'll bring up a good point. Because we do eventually get to the point where he has his fun, then he despairs, then he tries to break the cycle, then he gives up and we have the suicide montage, then we have just like begrudging acceptance, then he's trying to change his ways, so to speak, but he's still, but it's still not really changing his ways, not not in any, you know, he is in a superficial way, but not actually changing as a person. Right. But I think the piano lesson is where we actually, he, he turns that next chapter. Cause then we actually see him earnestly learning the piano, study, reading French poetry. He's studying medical books and he, and philosophy. And, you know, we, we actually do get little snippets of him doing things that the old Phil would have scoffed at. But now he's actually developed a genuine interest. Whether it stemmed from, you know, what, whatever it stemmed from is whatever it stemmed from. Might have been boredom, might have been maybe, you know, trying to get with Rita. You know, what you know, whatever the cause is whatever. But he does actually, I think, reach a point where he's like, oh, no, this is cool. Like, this is fun or this is interesting or I like, you know. And then we actually, and at that point, uh, we see him, I think, actually begin his metamorphosis into a genuinely good person instead of someone just doing good things. What does playing the piano have to do with being a good person, though? It's not playing the piano makes you a good person. It's he's taking an interest in something that he never cared about before. So he's learning an instrument. And I don't think you I I don't think even you could argue that uh, even if you're like me and you're not necessarily musically inclined, like learning an instrument is still like that's cool regardless who you are, regardless what instrument it is, unless it's the harmonica, then (laughs) <laughs> or the ukulele. If you're like, I play the ukulele. No, get a real instrument. Eat it. But but it's it's not it's it's more of a sign of 
him evolving. Okay. Does that make sense? Like, I know plenty of people who air quote study philosophy and they're the biggest douchebags on the planet and you can't stand to be around their insufferable asses, right? But it's still, but that's not philosophy's fault. That's this shitty person's fault. But we're seeing him take these interests, like in poetry, he's expanding his horizons and we see him growing as a person. And that's getting him on this road of self-improvement and changing, turning a new leaf, as it were. Okay, I can get behind that. Again, and that's just how I took it. Well, no, because you, you're right, I think, because you, you literally see him scoffing at the poetry part of it when he laughs in Rita's face during their date. Mm-hmm. And then a few scenes later, he's actually sitting down and reading it and enjoying it. Now, and, and the thing is, at some point in time, odds are he picked up, he found a book and picked it up the first time to use it as a tool to get with Rita. Right. Right. More than likely. I agree. More than likely. But that's why I was saying, you know, whatever the reason for starting down this road, that is what it is. But I think along the, along the journey, he realized, oh, no, I actually enjoy this. Okay. That's fair. It gets to the point where everybody in town knows him everybody in town loves him which is impressive because he's he's getting this reputation in one day in one day yeah that's where i was heading with this oh okay what did he do to these people i mean i know he saved the guy his brother because his brother's in this movie yeah oh yeah i would i've uh, you have that written down yeah we're not there yet um saves his brother from choking Mm-hmm. Saves the kid from the tree. Saves the kid from um, the tree. He talks that one girl into getting married. Because mm-hmm. she was getting cold feet. Yeah, to uh, Michael Shannon. Surprise, Michael Shannon. Who? Michael Shannon. Huh. He play- Well, he played he played Zod in Superman, Man of Steel. He okay. Wa- he was um, John Krasinski in the Iceman movie about the crazy hitman. Wasn't a very good movie, but he was good in it. What else was he in? John Krasinski, the actor from The Office? Or not John Krasinski. God. Are you, wait, are you saying that the true Iceman uh, hired assassin is... Klasinski. Ah. Klasinski, that's it. But yeah, close. I bet... I bet. Close, but an important <laughs> distinction there. Important distinction, yes. I am so, so sorry. Well, Mr. John's never going to be on the show now. Mr. Krasinski. I loved you and Jack Ryan. Actually, I would I would not mind sitting down talking to him about A Quiet Place. Oh, yeah. Those both are fantastic. Just the filmmaking and the idea of creation. But that's a separate tangent yeah. for another time. Um, but, but I think we don't really know why the time loop happens. And we don't I'm really glad we don't. And we don't really know why it ends, right? It's all up for interpretation, which is why Harold Ramis was just flooded with calls and letters and whatever. But I, I, I do think I I do believe that it is a for one reason or another, it's it's a Phil changed in the way he was supposed to. I I'm glad we don't know. I don't want to know why it started. I don't know. I don't want to know how it started. I don't know. I don't want to know why it ended. Yeah. But I heard someone on YouTube was saying about talking about it. That they're like, well, what if it was a 
experiment by the universe to pick one person and see what they can do and make this person change and blah, 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 blah. Well, yeah, but the universe isn't an entity. I deleted that YouTube. Oh, okay. From my, uh, my, my favorites list. Yeah. <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> They're in the same, same trash can as my IMDB app. <laughs> For all their terrible trash opinions. Yeah. So what what is your opinion on how how long do you think the time loop lasted? A number I've heard over the years is 10 years. But if you're asking my opinion, I have no conceivable idea and I I bet it's longer than 10 years. He knows what every person is going to do and what every moment happens in that town to the second. He also uh, becomes a skilled piano player, a pianist. You look like you're about to say something. Uh, no. As well as at one point, people are calling him doctor. Right. So he has studied enough medicine that he he can apply it in certain, you know, in, in helpful ways like the Heimlich and whatever. And people are like, oh, yeah, he's clearly, you know, a doctor, you know, not that he earned a, a doctorate, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Ice sculpting. Oh, oh, his I. He speaks French. Yep, he learns French. Ice sculpt. Like he's there longer than ten years. Oh, absolutely. It would take you ten years to get to become an ice sculptor at the level he was. Right, like he spent ten years just doing that. I'd agree. And then you know, and then the piano playing and the and the learning languages and you know everything he does. He's there for an for an unknown amount of time, but it is inconceivably long i bet it's a lifetime i bet he is actually there for a full lifetime mm. i saw an interview with the writer not Hal ramos but the other guy i cannot remember his name danny rubin he says that the studio where they were talking about the the time loop duration like it was two weeks <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he's like no no it's it's longer than two weeks oh the studio executives are like yeah he's there for like a week and a half yeah. two weeks you know a yeah. month whatever and and everyone's like no <laughs> yeah no it's it's a little longer than two weeks pal um, you vince mcmahon <laughs> sit down pal let me tell you about it pal see i i definitely agree with you about a lifetime i bet it's an actual lifetime yeah yeah so they're at the and wrap the whole story up. Mm -hmm. They're at the dinner party. Phil's playing piano. Mm -hmm. They have the auction. Oh, yeah. Phil gets up there, and all the ladies are bidding on him. And those two ladies are going back and forth. One of them happens to be Nancy. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's only because she was trying to get away from Larry. Poor Larry. He's not a bad guy. No, but he's insanely dull. That's true. That Talking about true. things no one cares about. Talking about the uh, holding the camera. They think I just hold the camera and point it at stuff. There's way more to it than that. So, Larry, my man, homie, I don't know a lot about anything, but I know there are two things women love more than anything else. <laughs> Posters. Dull, trivial knowledge about anything. 
like how to operate a camera. And when you only talk about yourself. And he masterfully does both at the same time. (laughs) Poor Larry. We just doesn't get it. So Rita bids 300 and some odd dollars. Whatever she's got in her wallet. Whatever she had in her wallet. So Larry gets the bright idea of, oh, I'm going to go up there and they're going to bid back and forth. Two bits. That's the world. That woman. <laughs> I got two bits. Two bits. Sold. Ugh. The look on his face when he's eyeballing the crowd trying to cover his eyes so yeah. he can see who we won, who won him. And then he looks at it's like, oh, God, no. Poor Larry. Now, it's also important to point out that uh, going back to um, Rita for a second, she is ultimately the type of woman who, if everything goes right, will put out on a first date. Do they? No, but she would have. They wake up the next day. The loop oh, is that's a right. Thing, and he realizes, and, and Bill's excited, and he starts kissing her, and she goes, why weren't you like this last night? Like, she clearly makes the statement that it would have happened. Yeah, I forgot about that. But he wasn't feeling it. He and, fell asleep. And they or... both just, they fell asleep in each other's arms. And it's romantic. Yeah. But she clearly makes the statement, why weren't you, where was this last night? Like, she, she was ready. She wanted it. So. Yeah, and she knew him for what, like a day? Day and a half. Yeah, because, well, they met the morning they left for Punxsutawney. <laughs> yeah, but then they stayed, you know, that night till the next morning. So she, so, so. It was she two put, days. She put out on the, on the first date and the second actual day she knew of this person. <laughs> Man, that dude's smooth. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Also, okay, let's, let's be real. Let's, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I never am. But I can entertain. Holy shit. Am I sitting next to Phil? I can entertain the, uh, the notion, right? I, un- I have a theoretical understanding of what it's like to be wrong. Sounds awful. Hope I never experienced it. I haven't yet. And if you think I'm wrong, you're all morons. You're all a bunch of idiots. You're a bunch of just sewer-dwelling Morlock sons of bitches. Don't know anything. Groundhog's Day. <laughs> not Groundhog Day. Snow is water. I don't know what you people want from me. Um, if they're drinking beer, that's it's getting going down their throat. If the oxygen destroyer destroys oxygen molecules, the water would evaporate into hydrogen gas. Anyway, um, all right. If I send out the troops, will you all calm down? Yes, yes. Ooh. Let's be real. With Nancy and Rita and any other movie he's been in, looking at you, Quantum Mania, Bill Murray is not hooking up with these attractive with the with these super. It's just no, just, no. I'm sure his wife is super attractive and very lovely person, but Bill Murray is not just who. It does not have the looks to just be scoring with all these women in all these movies. That's not, that's Hollywood fiction. But he's smooth. You don't have to have the looks when you're smooth. Is he smooth? I don't know if he's actually smooth. In the movie, I think he's smooth. Once he gets, you know, learns all the shit that he. Yeah. After he spends 20 years learning everything about her. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So he's smooth. But in Quantumania, nah, he's rich and powerful, I think. That's why he got... Not at the time... He wasn't at the... I don't remember. No, that. not when he and Michelle Pfeiffer were banging, because they were both rebels. Fighting to... Trying to overthrow the bullshit and the stuff. Quantumania is not very good. No, it's not. I... Bill Murray is not getting with Nancy. Bill Murray is not getting with Michelle Pfeiffer. I'm sorry, Bill. I love you, but it's not happening. He's smooth. He's confident. He doesn't, you know, need to be uh, handsome. No, you still need to be a little handsome. Okay. I have had more arguments about this and, and the notion of selling out with college professors. Uh, cause they're like, you know, no women don't care about looks. Yeah, they do. Well, that's such a shallow misconception. No, it isn't. Everyone thinks I'm being shallow when I say, you know, this man or this woman is less attractive than this person they're trying to get with or what, whatever, whatever it is, whoever it is. Right. And then people look at me like I'm insane or like I'm some kind of Neanderthal caveman. Right. I just club women and drag them back to the cave when I'm like, no, looks a hundred percent matter. If we are creatures with eyeballs, and if we don't like what we see, we're not going to pursue it. Oh, this is entertaining to watch. I will watch it. Oh, this plate of food looks delicious. I will investigate more. That woman is smoking hot. I'm going to go for her, right? I'm going to shoot my shot. Right? Oh, look how handsome Mel Gibson is. It's undeniable. I'm going to shoot my shot. <laughs> right? We're visual creatures. This is not, everyone's like, oh, that's so shallow. And that's so, that's so, that's so, you know, in the past. And we're, we've evolved beyond that. No, we haven't. What are you talking about? So, yes, he may be smooth and he may be confident, but he also still looks like Bill Murray. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No. You know what? Hold on. Shut up. <laughs> shut the fuck up. We're not. You know what? You know, I got something else. You don't get to talk yet. <laughs> you know, you know what overcomes that level? Not not saying Bill Murray's that level, but you know what over overcomes the level of that? I find this person unattractive and I am not physically interested in them and I'm not going to pursue that money and power. And again, yes. this is also an argument I bring up and people are like, oh, that's so misogynistic. And oh, yes, that's so, you know, blah, blah, blah. We're, we have all fans. No, we haven't. How do you think Mick Jagger ever got a chick ever in his life? Look at him. Tell me I'm wrong. Post Malone looks like a homeless person who's insane. <laughs> this whole face tattoo craze going on right now in the music industry specifically. What the hell is the matter with you people? You know what's a real bad look? Face tattoos. Fight me. That is unattractive. And even take the face tattoos away. He's not Clooney. He's not an overly attractive person anyway. And the face tattoos just detract further. You know why he gets chicks? Money. And he's famous. Money and power. That's what Trump's looks. Tell me I'm wrong. No, I'm not saying you're wrong. You know what Mick Jagger, you know who Mick Jagger reminds me of? This could go so many places. I don't know. You ever seen the Demogorgon from Stranger <laughs> Things? <laughs> With his duck lip when he's doing the duck pout? Mm. Mm. And then when shatter, he... <laughs> shatter, shadoobie. 
Well, then he opens his mouth to sing, and it's like the Demogorgon screaming. <laughs> and then he eats someone's face. Yeah. Look, this is just the cold, hard truth and reality of the world we live in. You may not like it, but that's the facts. Sorry, Bill. Man, this Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. Uh, got deep. Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's actually a deep movie. Like It, is it a, really no, it is, is a super deep movie. Deep movie. Nancy puts out on the first date <laughs> to strangers. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Larry could have hit that if he had played his cards right. Yeah, but Larry has one move, and it's talk about myself doing really menial, trivial things in great detail. And when, as again, as I specified before, the hard truth rant. Uh, women love that. <laughs> Reminds me of the uh, text message you sent me. About tell her about the deep lore of Dead by Daylight. Oh Chicks yeah, dig that because <laughs> I was like, man, that episode never never dropped like it was supposed to. I was like, it's still coming out today, and you were like, oh, I forgot. I was like, I'm like, what are you doing? Sit at home <laughs> drinking and playing Dead by Daylight, <laughs> and you're like, no, I'm you know with my girl, and I'm like, just tell it <laughs> a upload the video, and then b pour a drink. Play rounds anyway, because you know that's what you want to do. And then just ex deeply explain to her all the backstory of all the characters. Chicks dig that. Well, you see, this is Pyramid Head. He's from Silent Hill 3, and he's a, the embodiment of violence, you know, brought on by sexual frustration or whatever the lore of Pyramid Head is. I have is. no idea. It, uh, the actual lore is deeply sexual. <laughs> It's a good thing my PS5 has a wireless controller. That way I could explain it to her as she's running to her truck. And you can chase after her. I can chase her after her. But like, no, wait a minute. You can wait a minute. It Freddy Krueger's in this. <laughs> <laughs> no, you see, this guy was a bounty hunter and his shotgun shoots a bear trap and some bullshit and it gets people. It's real brutal, you know. Yeah. And I'm standing in a cloud of exhaust. <laughs> <laughs> generators just exploding behind yeah. you crows over my head <laughs> yeah <sighs> that was fun it's groundhog day groundhog, groundhog day. day now though we did bring something up i said we'd get to it yes we have to we have to talk about it yes we do and by it we have to talk about brian doyle murray cuz another casualty of the Meredith Burton Award for being in the most movies talked about on the podcast. He joins the pantheon. He joins the phone book of people. The phone book. The phone book of people tied at two. We cannot get past two. We can't get past two. It's driving me crazy. I'm to the point the next episode is going to be Escape from New York. We're going to purposely make it something that will break the tie. Just, just to break the tie. I, I'm okay with Kurt Russell being the one who does it, Me too. too. Me too. And I don't even care if it's one of his crappier movies, like Overboard. Um, Soldier. <laughs> Soldier. Yeah, let's do it. If we get one more person at two, I'm going to go home. I'm going to put some bread in my toaster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take it to the bathroom. <laughs> No, okay, what is your thought? You asked me, like, what was my opinion on, like, how he got out and all of that. What is your take? What's your big take on this movie? I, honestly, I think it's just 
he needed to be taught a lesson. And in order for him to get out, he had to quit being such a dickhead and not just fake his way out of it. Right. He had to look deep into himself and change and evolve and just become a better person. Learn the piano. Start there. Gotta start somewhere. Gotta start somewhere. Start at the harmonica if you want. Nope. Negative. (laughs) Or the ukulele. Not there either. Do the saxophone. Sexy. I like that. Yeah. I'm down. Yeah, me too. Yep. Yeah, I just think that's what it is. He just, something out there was like, no, we can't let this big of a dickhead keep going. I don't want to kill him. That'd be too easy. Let's put him in purgatory. <laughs> Let's make him suffer a little bit. Go through some of the five stages, you know, of of grief. Or Oh, no, he goes through all of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he does. And then see if he comes out better on the other side. Well, you see, uh, Groundhog Day is actually a, a retelling of Dante's Inferno. And we have we have Phil as the titular Dante. And, and uh uh, goddamn, where's his name? Ned Ryerson. Bing is is Virgil leading him through. No, shut up. <laughs> you laugh. You say that, but I have heard that. Oh, so, uh, you know what? I'm not surprised. I am not surprised. That was one of them at all by that. Not even a little bit am I surprised by that. But Purgatory was the the most popular opinion. He's in a time. I mean, okay. If you want to put a religious view on it, good for you. Put a religious view on it. I could not care less. Watch your movies. Enjoy your movies. Interpret your movies however you want to. That's the joy of watching movies. I don't care. But I know I don't think Phil is the devil. No, I don't either. And I honestly, I don't know if I think that he is an official, actual purgatory. But then again, religiously speaking, I'm not one who believes in purgatory. That's neither here nor there. I'm not one that believes in religion, so... So you also don't believe in purgatory. He's just in a time loop. Yeah. Well, enjoy hell, (laughs) you non-believer. Doesn't exist. (laughs) Or, you know what? Maybe some of those theologians are right, and and, uh, the Christian God is so forgiving and understanding... That, uh, you know, while hell is an actual place, it's actually there's a there's a theory out there that hell is empty. No one is in hell. Because God's Christian, God's given forgiveness and mercy is so great. Everyone's forgiven at the end of the day. A lot of people don't like that opinion. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> now you're stupid about it. You're like, I don't know. I feel like okay. I'm I'm gonna get a little bit religious. And then we're gonna stop. And then we're gonna stop. Okay. I feel like if that is true, that he is all forgiving, blah blah blah. Hell is empty. I do not want to be a part of that forgiveness because if you can forgive pedophiles and child murderers and all that shit 
I don't want to be up there with them. And that's it. That's all I'm going to say. Fair enough. Okay. Yep. Not gonna, there's no, I'm not going to continue this discussion. No discussion to be had. Nope. But no, but if you see, if you watch a movie like this mm. and you want to explain it through the lens of your views, religious or otherwise, go for it. Good for you. You, we have that freedom. That's watching a movie, right? We all interpret how we interpret it. Exactly. So I'm not going to, to bag on anyone, uh, for viewing it, you know, how they want to view it. But some of these fan theories are bad. <laughs> oh yeah, I agree. It's sometimes they reach pretty hard. Yeah. Just to fit their, their whims, their weems, their weems on groundhog day groundhog day <laughs> yeah i got a fan theory it's groundhogs day i hate it i'm gonna go back and edit every time you say groundhog i'm gonna go <laughs> just add us yeah how very dr evil i mean like that was, that's a very dr evil thing all right final thoughts let's wrap this one up do you want to go first with your final thoughts? I can. I don't care. Yeah, go ahead. Since you have no history with this film. Yeah, not really. I thought I did. And I found out that's incorrect. Not a complete history. So I watch this movie. I thought it was going to be a Bill Murray comedy. That's not a derogatory statement. I like Bill Murray. I enjoy his comedy. But that's what I thought going into it. And as I watched it, I realized how much more this film is. Um, obviously, how much deeper it goes, but it, but even more than the depth of however you want to analyze it, just in the sense of just like as a as a movie, it it's funny, but it's got so much heart, and it's got so much. There's there's a lot of heart and genuine soul in this film, and it's all done so well. That if you if you go into it like I did, expecting just like, oh, yep, here we go. It's just another comedy, you know, whatever. And you realize it's no it's it's so much deeper than just that surface level film that I thought it was. And so if you're like me and you've never actually seen it and maybe you're not into Bill Murray com comedy or even comedy as a whole, as much as I am. Don't let that inaccurate assumption turn you away from this movie. It is worth the ticket price, especially if you've never seen it. It is worth a watch because there's so much more to it than that. And again, not, not to dive back into the religious or philosophical or, you know, anything that you could, the quagmire that you could fall into with this film. But, but from an entertainment perspective, it has something for everyone. And I think um, just as a commentary on life, there's something for everyone. And it's definitely worth a watch. I've watched this movie numerous times, and I've enjoyed watching it for different reasons every time. For this episode, I sat down with my 10-year-old. And I was like, okay, we're going to watch this movie. I got to watch this tonight. You can watch it if you want. She's like, oh, yeah, I want to watch it. I said, but you got to be quiet. She's like, okay. She goes, what's this movie about? And I 
was going to tell her. But I, you know what? I was like, I want to see her experience it mm-hmm. and enjoy that moment and also enjoy the movie. I'm with you there. Yeah. I got to watch her get confused, her laugh, her get a little emotional, and it was the best time. <laughs> You you say this is is a comedy, and it is, but like you said, it's deeper than that. I almost want to say it's almost a romantic comedy, but it's deeper than that. It's it's genuinely it genuinely pulled at my heartstrings a couple of times, like with the old man when he's trying to help that old man towards Mm -hmm. the end, and he's like. Oh, the, takes him takes him to the d- diner and feeds him and then takes him to the hospital and he passes away and the nurse is like well you know sorry some people just die you know he's just old and yeah. she's like no not today not today and then later the next you know the next loop he finds him laying in the the alleyway and it's like oh my god um like when him and Rita are connecting and you think well maybe it'll it'll finally snap out of this loop but it doesn't so as, as far as a comedy, I don't think that the, that word does this movie justice. Mm-hmm. Romantic comedy, it doesn't do this movie justice. Does that make it worse? Does it make it worse? No. That title? No. I, I feel like calling it a... I agree with it. I agree with yeah. what you're saying. But, you know, if we're, if we're trying to not let a general description of a movie type dissuade someone from watching it does is is calling it a romantic comedy worse than just calling it a comedy (laughs) i could see that i could see that um but no i don't i don't think i don't think it's either one of those by itself no not at all um it is i'm I'm upset now that i didn't watch more bill murray stuff so that i could say definitively this is his best role well if okay it's funny you say if groundhog day teaches us anything it's not too late to change that. We need. I'm going to change that, and then we'll we'll do a, a rehog visit or up, something. What an uplifting end to an episode we have. It's not too late to change. We all need to change something. Be better people to our to to each other to ourselves. Definitely. Be better to yourselves out there. Be better to each other. I will never be better to Tevis, but that just is what it is. It's our relationship. And uh, <laughs> what a, what an uplifting beat we get to end on. Now I'm going to bring it down, though. Okay, Dave. Because it's in my note, and it's, it's a small thing, and we didn't talk about it. But I want to talk about it, damn it. Phil showers like a psychopath who gets completely naked, gets in the shower, then turns the water on. What the hell is wrong with Phil, I hope that's one of the things he changed as a person. He does it twice. Oh, he does it way more than that. We see it twice. Yeah. No, apparently that's just how Phil showers. He just he doesn't he doesn't feel with his hand or test the water. He doesn't turn the water on and test with his hand or his arm or whatever to make sure it's the right temperature. Then gets in. He declothes. Gets in the tub. Tur- then turns the shower on. What? absolute psychopath okay so i'm gonna say this movie is worth the ticket price and be more like phil learn that it's not too long 
not too late to change. Saved it. But also, learn how to shower. Again, maybe that's something he changed. Maybe he figured out, I'll test it with my hand first before just jump it, jumping in and then turning the water on. All right, everyone. <laughs> we'll, we'll, hey, mom, what's <laughs> up with the hot water? Oh, there wouldn't be any today. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Of course. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> what did that mean? I don't know. Oh, there wouldn't be any today. Why? Because it's cold outside. That's not how plumbing works. What is she? T- do they not have a hot water heater? What is happening in this? I don't. I don't care. Calming down. I'm Jake. It's not too late to change. That's Tevis. This is ticket price. And I can be a calmer person. I can be a kinder person. And we can change. Like Rocky says at the end of Rocky Four. If you can change and I can change, we can all change. What? <laughs> Rocky Four, use people can change, and I can change. We can all change. Adrian, we're changing. And then he goes into the locker room and changes. <laughs> changes. No, everyone. I'm Jake. That's Tempest. This has been Groundhog Day. We're ticket price. And uh, you know what? Just be good. Just be good out there. Be good to each other. Be good to yourselves. Have a good day. Hey, we can't stop yet. That was our nice, uplifting ending. I know. Now you got to redo it. Why do I have to redo it? Because you can tell what we're going to do next. Oh, God damn it. Motherfuck. Changes. Bullshit ass. <laughs> Nobody changes. People stay. You want, you want to know the hard truth? No one changes. You're not going to change him. You know that deadbeat in the leather jacket that you got pregnant by, but you can change him? Yeah, you can't. He's going to be a piece of shit your whole life. Find someone better. That's what I'm learning. We're doing a special Valentine's Day episode. Optimism is for fools and children. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Our next one is for Valentine's Day. Yeah, let's do it. I love love. I'm the most romantic son of a bitch out there. No one has a less cynical view of the world or on love as me. What are we doing next time? Hmm. Well, we we picked one specifically for this. We did. Well, technically you did. <laughs> well, technically we picked one, but then it wasn't on Netflix because they'd fucking Steve at Netflix switch the movies out on us. So then we went, oh, wait, we can't watch that one. Oh, well, we still could, but it'd be way more trouble than we care to go through at this point in time. Yeah, and I'm Steve. not I'm not renting it. I still think my wife owns it, but I don't care enough because I'd have to go in the garage and get into tubs, you know. That's a whole lot of work. I don't care enough. So it's easier just to change the movie. Yeah. So that's what we did. We'll just alter our plan. The only bad plan is one that can't change. Mm. So episode 24, Valentine's Day edition. What are we doing? Where the crawdads sing. Where the crawdads sing. I got nothing. Okay. I got, I got I have no idea what this is. I've I've heard good things. My daughter has seen it. She says it's good. But she's 10, so she liked Gremlins. She liked Avatar.
Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Let me get the trash can. Let me get the trash can. <laughs> okay, now we can wrap it up. All right. Tune in next week. We're going to take a Valentine's look at where the crawdads sing. I'm going to laugh. So I, do, I, do, I genuinely, I don't know anything about this movie. Nothing. I didn't so either. If we watch it and it has nothing to do with romance, love, Valentine's Day, if it doesn't connect at all, you're going to be in for a rough episode. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. <laughs> but yeah, tune in next. That's what we're looking at. What are, what are we doing? I don't know. I'm Jake. That's Tevis. This is ticket price. If it sounds rehearsed, it is at this point. Be good to each other. Or don't. I'm living in a loop and I don't care anymore. If I have to do this one more time, if this loops one more time, I'm not going to care anymore. I'm going to see what that heater can start a fire with. Hold your little hand in mine. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Good night, everybody. Good night.